welcome to the Top Advisor Marketing Podcast brought to you by Proudmouth. I'm your host, Matt Halloran. Being your own loud is not new to marketing, but the mindset, strategies, and resources to help you get there are evolving faster than this industry is keeping up. It is time to find a new perspective on what works why and how to move your business forward. Listen as I interview guests to help you learn from them how to be your own loud. Let's get to the show. Hello and welcome to another Top Advisor Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Haller, and I met Larry at the last Carson event, but I've known about Larry Sprung for actually quite a while. One of the reasons is, is because he and his team have this amazing presence. And I'm not, not just talking about social media or website, but podcast and video. When you look at a firm that's really, truly firing on all marketing cylinders, I think that Midland Financial is the example that a lot of you should really look to to see what you need to emulate. So, Larry, welcome to the show, my friend. Hey, thanks, Matt. It's a pleasure to be here. I can't believe I am here and on your show, the Top Advisor Marketing Podcast, but I am excited. And thank you so much for that great introduction. I'm glad I bought you that drink in Vegas when I saw you. <laughs> you bought me a couple of drinks, my friend. All right. And also, I got a whole bunch of swag from you, which I really loved a lot. All right. Let's talk about your journey, right? So, you didn't like overnight become a, a marketing juggernaut. Let's talk about kind of the Midland Financial, the Larry Sprung journey. Yeah. So, basically, the long and the short of it is uh, I grew up in a household where my mom was ill at a very young age in her 30s, diagnosed with cancer. Uh, passed away at the age of 47, day after my 23rd birthday. And through that journey, I saw my dad, what he went through in terms of experiencing life without a financial advisor, without a planner. And, you know, we weren't poor, we weren't rich either. We were a middle-class family. Uh, but I always felt that if he had an advisor on his team, that it might have mitigated some of his time suck and away from family time. He worked two jobs and it would not have rectified anything with regard to my mom, but I think it would have made his life a little bit easier. So that really left an indelible mark in me. And through my progression through college, I just worked towards being a financial advisor because I really felt like it was somewhere that I can have impact. I could work with people and, and do something I love with people I love and, and really make a huge impact. So that's where I, where my love of the profession started from. And from there I started, you know, I'm located on Long Island. So if you've seen the Wolf of Wall Street, I started a firm that was directly replicated by that. I mean, literally that, that was my education. Uh, I was there for about a year or so, uh, got a role with Solomon Smith Barney, uh, worked from there, went to Fleet Bank, which got bought out by Bank of America, which got bought out by Merrill Lynch. And then I realized that big corporate America wasn't for me and I wanted to go the independent route and became an independent advisor for about 10 years, uh, duly registered like a lot of your listeners might still be. Um, and made a transition about 11 years ago to RIA only. And that has been the one of the best decisions of my career. And the other best decision was about two years ago, we affiliated with 
the Carson Group, which has been an amazing process for us, amazingly helpful to us, where I meet, you know, people like you and other great folks. And, you know, along those journey, along that journey, I was not doing as much marketing as I do now. It's something that I've really learned and got educated about. And as you met my wife uh, at that event as well, uh, she was a big impetus upon that because I used to talk about my story. I used to say things on social media and have an active presence, but I wouldn't become as vulnerable as you know I should be. And she said, I always felt like people don't want to know that I'm out at this event. People don't want to know that I'm on vacation on a safari in South Africa. And the reality is people do want to know. They want to know you're a human being. So people like you have gotten to learn who I am and what I'm about and what my values are before I even meet them, which is, I guess, what marketing is all about. Right, Matt? Well, it is. And, and what a wonderful way for you to build a relationship at scale. And we talk about that, Larry, all the time. You had no idea I was following you because there's really no way. I mean, besides what I like and comment on stuff on Twitter or or on, on, on LinkedIn specifically. But the idea that that marketing, you're building that relationship in abstentia, honestly, is so freaking powerful. Now, you had to have a mindset shift. Now, I understand that your your wife who I met, she's a force, brother, and I just loved hanging out with her. In fact, she, man, I can't tell you, everybody, she taught me stuff I had no idea about when it came to social medias. She is so on top of it. But what, what led you to this idea that it's okay for people to see the real Larry? Because that's a big mindset shift, dude. That's a big, big difference. Yeah, it was really her. She said, you know, if people want to do business, and this was something I always said, people want to do business with people they like, they trust, they know, they want to be around, their values align. And this was something I always talked about. And she said, well, why aren't you doing that on social media? Why aren't you putting the authentic you out there? And my feeling was people didn't want to know. And I made a commitment to her. Let's give it a try and let's see what happens. And the floodgates opened. People were commenting. People were saying, we, we took a family trip to South Africa uh, three and a half years ago before uh, COVID, the, the year before that lockdown took, you know, the lockdown took place. And I literally had a family that we work with. She was somewhat house ridden due to her health. She sent me an email thanking me because she always wanted to go to South Africa, always wanted to see the big five and basically live that experience through me on that trip. And that was in that moment, that solidified that what I was doing, I needed to continue to do. Because if I had an impact on her and that family who were already working with us, I knew that I was also making an impact on others that we didn't know yet. And people started coming up. Hey, I've been following you for five years. And now, you know, we want to work with you. We're in a position and it, it's really helped tremendously. So the mindset shift was something I put full faith and confidence in her. And, you know, she used my own words against me, so to speak, in terms of getting us to that place. But it was absolutely the right thing to do. Well, I, I love when financial advisors will say to, to me, uh, you know, I, I want people to understand, you know, I'm a values-based financial planning firm, but if they don't show those values, I mean, Larry, your focus on 
giving back, your focus on your family, your focus on being a good husband, your focus on being a good father. These are the sorts of things that you are able to cast out into the world by being vulnerable and being transparent on social that that you know has people just get attracted to you now how long did it take though right so people ask me all the time okay matt i hear what you're saying i hear what larry's saying i'm gonna start you know being my authentic self which we call being your own loud here at Proudmouth. how long did it take for you to start seeing an impact of your vulnerability it, it was a couple of years for sure it's not something that happens overnight and i think the best thing i can relate it to is you know all, most of your listeners are advisors, right? So they know the time frame that it takes to meet somebody, build a relationship, and actually get them in a place that they feel comfortable in potentially working with them, right? This is no different. This is no different. Instead of meeting them in person, you're doing this behind the scenes on social, which means by time they come to you, that cycle has shortened. So it may take you two years, but that two years worth of legwork is going to save you from that point on because everybody that comes to you from that point on, they're already at a place that they probably want to work with you because they know you, they know what you're about, they know your values. And it's just a matter of how do you work with families? I want to know a little bit more about personally how you can impact me and my family. And as long as that's still aligned, they're becoming a family you're working with because they already know you. It's already done. Well, I love I love that. And we, we call that scaled credibility and also on your influencer continuum, right? So the idea here that what you have done is you've moved people from skeptics to fans, right? People are coming into Midland Financial pre-sold, right? I love it. We have an advisor uh, that's in the Great White North. And one of the things is he does uh, seminars, right? And we're going to talk about what other marketing you do here in just a second. But he did a seminar a couple of years ago. Person was in. He's been podcasting for quite a while. And they recently called him and said, okay, we're ready to work with you. And he's like, I don't even know who you are. Uh, and they're like, well, we've been listening to your podcast. And, you know, we've been following you on social. Um, we just appreciate your continuous um deposits in our world of financial knowledge. And so we feel obligated, which is a very interesting word that they use to, to go ahead and work with you. Now, podcasting and social media isn't all you do. What else do you do to get your message out in the world? Yeah, I mean, we have we have client uh, or family events. We just recently did a sip and paint with the families that we serve. Uh, I've used and taken families fishing. I'm actually in the process of planning a trip to the uh, the lodge out in Tecuma, uh, Nebraska with a family. So, you know, it's just opportunities to drive deeper into relationships that are existing. You know, my podcast and my social media marketing, that's more of a widespread approach. And then we try to combine that with more targeted marketing, if you will, uh, and relationship building with those that we already serve and those that we already know. Now, you said it took a couple of years, <clears throat> and you know as well as I do, because, you know, we were at the Carson event, uh, which was advisors, right? I mean, you were just surrounded by advisors. Why do you think advisors are so terrifically impatient with their marketing? Well, I, I think that they're looking, you know, for a quick fix. They're looking for something to solve a problem today. Uh, I think the perfect example was we were meeting with an advisor about potentially integrating their practice into ours. And as we were talking about their marketing, 
they came across and told us all these different channels that they've tried, radio, podcast, email, none of them worked. Well, how long did you do it for? Three months, six months, I got no traction. Um, I just talked to an advisor the other day that's down, I believe in Texas. Uh, he started a podcast. He did not see any traction for three years. He knew another advisor that had a radio show for about three years that was costing him somewhere around $50,000 a year. He did not see any traction for three years. So I think we're all a, you know, a beast of we want things to work immediately. But if you have a well thought out plan, you deliver it and you can give it the time to nurture it. All good things come to those who wait. And I think this is no different. Yeah. I've always thought it was interesting that financial planners who are consistently talking to their clients about taking that long-term view uh, don't do that within their own practice. Now, since I do have a very experienced podcaster in you on the show, let's talk about your show. What is the makeup of the show? What is the format of your show? What have you found works the best and plays the best to your audience? Yeah, so our show just crossed 100 episodes. I think this week we're at 104 or something along those lines. And, you know, it's it's morphed a little bit over time. When I first started, it was every other week. And then, believe it or not, my kids, who are now are 19 and 16, called me and said, Dad, you can't do this every other week. People want to follow you. They expect that content. You have to go weekly. So as you can tell, I take advice and guidance from my family members, and we changed it to weekly in January of uh, 2021. And that's definitely picked up steam for us. And we've changed it. So my format is interview. We bring on guests. Uh, we have a great conversation with them. And we always talk about tangible takeaways for our listeners. So they walk away learning something. And we have the same question that we ask each of our guests as our last question, which is, what did you do today that brings brought you joy and put you in the right mindset for success because we want to bring a joy to, to our listeners. Um, and so we have an interview format and really the, um, the interviewees, if you will, or the people that we're interviewing really fall into three different categories. One is entrepreneurs, people who have created and developed the business and are very successful and can share with our other entrepreneurs listening. Number two are hockey-related guests. I'm a big hockey family, ties into my social media presence and my guess what rink Larry's at. And the third piece is really around mental health. Uh, it's something that I'm very passionate about. I lost my brother-in-law to suicide. And I really think that there's a lot of things that we're not thinking about as advisors and for clients from a mental health perspective. So things really fall into one of those three categories. Each one of them, we give tangible takeaways and people are walking away with actionable ideas that they can use from that conversation. Let's talk about you being the interviewer, because before we recorded, everybody, Larry and I were joking about, uh, you know, when I'm on what we call OPP, other people's podcasts, uh, it's a very weird thing for me because I'm usually the one who doesn't talk very much. I ask the questions. Now, you you are in the same situation. Now I'm putting you on the spot. But I, I want to talk about the interviewing skills, right? One of the things that I loved about your show, because your wife had asked me to listen to a few of your shows, is it shows that you're really listening. Is that something that comes to you naturally because you're curious or is this something that you've had to practice? I think to some degree, both. 
It, it's something I, it just comes to me naturally, but I've also improved and honed that skill uh, over the last couple of years. So I listen to each one of my shows, uh, not to be narcissistic, but to see how I, I handled the show, handled the guests. I actually walk away and say, hey, was there something that I should have asked that I didn't ask, right? And I use that as a tool for going forward. And I also listen to my tone and my cadence on the introductions. And I think a good example of that is I had, you know, Ron Carson as a guest. He was our first guest and he was our hundredth episode guest. And when I was going to record the introduction for Ron on the hundredth episode, I listened to the first one and I was like, oh my God, this is, it was awful. It was awful. And even in my intro on the hundredth episode, I said, Ron, I hope I, I, uh, you know, do you better on this one because I didn't do you so good on the first one and I hope the improvement shows. So I also listen to things like David Letterman and I'm forgetting the name of the show, I think Next Guest or something like that. My next the next guest. guest. Yeah. So I listen yeah. or watch that on Netflix to kind of hone those skills as well. And I listen to other podcasts and other radio shows. I know Howard Stern's not as big maybe as he used to be, but he is, no matter what you think of him, he is an excellent interviewer. So I've taken all these people and things that I interact with and kind of incorporated into my own learning in order to make myself better as time goes on. You know, I get asked that often when I'm on other people's podcasts, Larry, uh, you know, who are the people you look up to? And I always say, uh, you know, by the way, I love uh, the my next guest with Letterman. I love his line of questioning. Um, I actually, I like him a lot better now than I did before. Uh, maybe it's because we look a lot alike with the beard, but mostly it's because um, he he's actually present, which I don't think that he was on his late night. The other one's Terry Gross, who is probably the most interview the person who's done more interviews with famous people than anybody ever, um, Oprah Winfrey. Uh, if you've ever watched Oprah or listened to Oprah, Oprah has this unbelievable ability to make you feel like you're the only person in the room when there's like, you know, 8,000 people in the audience. Um, you know, I, I also think Larry King, one of the, you know, as much as you could love or hate him, much like, you know, um, Howard Stern, thank you very much. I could see his face and his name didn't come to me anyway. Uh, so love or hate him. Um, one of the things that he did was he had this very organic approach. And, and I absolutely love uh, that organic approach. And then the last one is Phil Donahue. And uh, it's, that's dating me because I'm sure a lot of people have no idea who the heck he is. But the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, if you ever watched him, he used silence so well. Like, if you watch how many times Phil would talk and how many times they just pan to him and he wouldn't say anything and then they'd pan back to the guest, it makes people continue to talk. And what usually happens is that silence makes them go deeper and deeper and deeper, which is why I think he was amazing. Um, I love that you're a student of the game, Larry. That to me is something I don't think a lot of people realize. This is a show. Show jazz hands and all, brother. Right, you got to bring it because people want that, edu you know, edutainment or education and entertainment, as we say here. Matt, just the other day, I learned something and I started incorporating it immediately. I saw on some podcast group that I'm involved with, somebody had a pet peeve that when they start off the show, people say, hello, everybody, this, that, and the other thing. And they're like, you know, the show is really supposed to be almost like a one-on-one -on -one interaction, not that you're talking to an audience and a crowd. So I was filming a video the other day and my wife was the videographer and I started out differently because I used to always start out, hello, everybody, Larry Sprung here or whatever. And 
And I started right in as if it was a one-on-one -on -one conversation. And at the end, she's like, what was that about? You know, it didn't sound as natural. I said, it may not have sounded as natural, but I learned this thing the other day that I'm trying to implement. And on the show I recorded this week, I did the same thing. And, you know, I think there's an impact there. You don't want to be giving people the impression that you're talking to everybody. This really should be more a, a more intimate interaction where I'm speaking with them on a one on one sure. basis. Well, I always I always liken it to, you know, your audience should feel like they are a fly on the wall of a conversation between two people who are passionate about what they're talking about. All right. So let's let's talk about so those three things you, you talked about, uh, you know, family, you talked about hockey. Uh, I'm sorry, you talk about entrepreneurs, you talk about hockey, and then you talked about mental health. Now, that goes against what we talk about a lot here at Proudmouth, which is that you need to have a very, very focused niche. Do you think at Midland Financial, you guys have a specific niche and how does that play into the content that you create? Yeah. So I, I think at this point we do not, that's something we're actually talking about. My wife and I, uh, we're, we're not in the same room and we were having a, a text exchange the other day. And that's an area that I, I have not drilled down on. I know there's a lot of research. There's a lot of data. There's a lot talked about in terms of drilling down on this niche. I think part of that is a function of how Mitlin came about and where our families that I initially worked with came from. They came from when I was in a banking environment or a large brokerage firm. So we weren't really taught back then when I started to have this niche. So I, I've always hemmed and hawed about that, but I think we're getting closer to a point where we are going to drill down a little bit further. But I think that those three items that I mentioned for our podcast, to some degree, I know it's not one, but I think there are three very specific areas of people and areas of life that I am very passionate about that are easy for me to translate to. For instance, entrepreneurship, it's easy for me to have a conversation with an entrepreneur because I am one. It's easy for me to understand their situations. In terms of hockey, I have I played growing up through college. I have two uh kids that play one through college now, one in prep school. So I understand that journey. I don't necessarily understand the professional one. I do from a standpoint of I have friends that have played in the NHL, but it's something that's very meaningful to me, very interesting. And I could be helpful to that area. And mental health, again, is something that's very important to me. And I think that it's something as advisors, we have to be very cognizant about when working with families, because it is it is something that's out there and it's something we have to be aware of, especially if we're working with families in the most intimate way in terms of their money, their goals, their passions, helping them find their freedom. It's important to understand and at least be able to guide in a informational way with regard to mental health uh, issues. Advisors talk about physical health all the time. And for some reason, they don't equate mental health as an important conversation, which personally, as our listeners know, with my background as a therapist, it's very, very important to me. I think that, you know, mental health touches pretty much one in two people. So every other person whether they know it or not, uh, mental health is a huge component of just living on this planet. All right. 
Um, if you were to give our audience one piece of advice surrounding marketing, whether this is something that you learned a long time ago or something recently uh, that you think made the biggest impact, what would it be? I, I think I already said it. I mean, the biggest impact for me was that authenticity. It was also the biggest hurdle. It's something hard for us to understand. And sometimes as advisors, we're sitting in those rooms with those families we're asking those families some very intimate and personal questions. And many times we don't wanna answer those questions ourselves. So how do we expect families to answer our questions honestly and forthcoming if we're not answering them ourselves? And I think by being authentic, you don't necessarily have to answer those questions in the room with that family when you're sitting across from them. But if you're putting it out there, your authentic self, they already know what you are and who you are, and they know those intimate things about you. And I think that that's a great way to build connection, build a following, and again, shorten that kind of pipeline or time horizon to bring somebody from not knowing who you are to actually being a family that works with you and your organization for multiple generations to come. So of all things, and I've said it before, that is the biggest takeaway that I've had in the last five or seven years, for sure. One of the other nice things about what you just said there, Larry, is when you are unapologetically yourself, when you are the true Larry Sprung, right? You have zero competition because there isn't another one of you, right? And so, and, and that's what people, you know, I've, I've advisors have said to us over and over again, over the many, many years, Matt, they do business because they have a relationship with me. Why keep that quiet? Why don't you talk about those things in a more open environment? Now, I have also had many discussions with people about, you know, making sure that they don't overshare. Uh, and there's some good ways to really manage that. We're not going to get into that today. But my last question to you is my favorite question to ask, because, you know, Larry, I've done a few of these. Um, but, you know, I try to meet my guests where they are, but sometimes I get up to the plate and I, I don't necessarily swing and hit a home run. What question should I have asked you that I didn't? Yeah, Matt, I think you did a great job. I think I would only add one thing to what you just said in terms of, you know, as advisors, we're, we're working with families and we want families who want to work with us, but we also need to create an environment and a situation where if we are not here tomorrow, that the firm or the organization has those similar values. So I, I think it's important that you create a set of values, core values for your organization, make sure that everybody in the organization represents those values. And I think it's also important that, and, and what we're working towards here, is that Larry Sprung is not the only authentic self within Midland Financial. We're empowering the folks that are stakeholders here to also have their own voice because somebody may come across us on social or through marketing or through the podcast and they may not feel a connection with me, but they may feel a connection with somebody else uh, who is part of our organization. And I think that that is an important key thing that it shouldn't be one and only one voice. And I think that, you know, one representative of that is if you look at Ritholtz, for example, I think they do a very good job of empowering the folks there to each have their own voice. And not everybody's going to resonate with everybody else, but it gives those voices, you know, that are all tied to those common core values. And that's very similar to what we're doing here. Sure.
All right. Well, I'm sure that there are people who are going to want to reach out and, I don't know, learn from you more. Uh, but but there's actually, so you said, you know, what rank is Larry at is actually something that you do as a giveaway. So what would you like our audience to do to pay you back for uh, this wonderful information that you've given to our listeners? Yeah, just listen, you want to hit me up, just you can find me anywhere on social. You put in my name, you could send me a message. Our next What Rink Larry's Up comes out on usually, I think, the second or third Thursday of the month. Take a guess. Name and tag a charity that's important to you. If you get the rink right and you're the winner, we're going to make a donation in your name to that charity. It's a lot of fun. It, it can be shareable. It's contagious. Uh, we just made a $100 donation this week to the Garden of Dreams uh, because the winner got me. I, I tried to get them because I was wearing a New York Ranger jersey, but I was at Little Caesars Arena in Detroit. So we'll have a lot of fun along the way. And if you need any help, guidance, support, I'm always here to help others in our fantastic profession because if we all have an abundance mindset, we all get better together. Amen to that, brother. Well, we'll make sure that we have all of those links in the show notes. All right, everybody, if you haven't subscribed, make sure that you do. And if you want to know how to start your own podcast, the Pod Rocket Academy is a great way for you to take Podcasting 101. I teach you everything you could possibly need to know, not just to record, but to prepare and also do post-production and syndication of your episode. PodRocketAcademy.com is the place you can go. You can join for free. All right, Larry, thanks for your brain and thanks for your wisdom and thanks for being a fellow podcaster, my friend. Thank you and thank you for your friendship. Appreciate it, Matt. All right, everybody, we'll see you on the other side of the mic very soon. Thanks for listening to the Top Advisor Marketing Podcast brought to you by Proudmouth. If you want to know more about how you can be your own loud, visit us at proudmouth.com and sign up for the Pod Rocket Academy. Through courses and office hours led by professional podcast producers and digital marketers, you will learn everything you need to know to become the trusted subject matter expert you were meant to be.